0: Ever wondered who is behind your favorite consumer brands and what strategies are used by these brands to connect with you? Tune in to Media at SAFM with Ashraf Garda. Sundays from 8 to 10 a.m. So Daniel Munzler with me, Director of the MCC Consulting, as well as a director on the AIBC's International Executive Board. I could also say uh, one of the judges of the PR industry or the Prism Awards that Bridget will allude to uh, later on. Uh, But uh, very importantly, we're going to talk about the 2017 Global Communications Report. Daniel, good chatting to you. Hi. Oh, good morning, Ashraf. Good to be on the show. Thank you. What is it, the Global Communications Report? Who owns it?
1: Well, the Global Communications Report is an
0: annual report that's
1: commissioned and um, executed through the USC, the University of Southern California's Annenberg School for Communication and Journalism. And then it's later published by the Holmes Report.
0: Okay, fine. So this is the latest one, uh, and there's some really important issues that have come through from there, right? So I'm trying to work out how we're going to work it out. There's maybe five key points you may want to touch on, right? Perhaps let's get to the first one and and then run through, uh, and then you can give me some details on that. Go, go ahead and, and just let, let's start at the very beginning.
1: Okay, that's perfect, Ashraf. So the the study this year was fascinating from the point of view that it raised probably four or five key issues that are going to fundamentally impact the way in which the communication industry is going to look moving forward. One of them is where PR and marketing overlays in terms of the mix between the two disciplines, and there's a split between what PR professionals and marketing executives feel about the alignment between the two professions, and I'll go into that in a second. Mm -hmm. The other one is the vast number of traditional public relations practitioners that are saying that the profession itself needs to be redefined, and you can imagine uh, the depth of conversation that could happen behind that type of the statement. Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
1: the third one really is around the trends, and 20 key trends in terms of skills within the discipline have been identified, and very interesting, your previous interview around fake news, and fake news, which is a relatively new concept within the PR industry, still made it into the top 20 in a research that was implemented or executed in February of this year. Um, So that that also raises some interesting um, questions. And the other one is client and agency relationships and the fundamental shifts that are taking place in the way in which corporates are making use of agencies in terms of implementing and executing um, various tactical operational pieces of work that they're being required to. Those are the four most interesting trends that have come out and maybe we've got a few minutes to dive into those.
0: Okay, absolutely. So let's start at the very first one. T- tell me about that.
1: Okay, so the, the, the public relations and marketing mix. Hmm. So in this research, almost half of PR professionals and more than 60% of marketing executives feel that the two disciplines are going to become more closely aligned over the next five years. The PR professionals obviously think that PR will dominate, the marketing executives feel that marketing will dominate, I think the reality is somewhere in between the two of those. But at the end of the day, it really goes to speak to the blurring of the lines uh, between concepts like paid, earned, um, and shared and owned media. For example, where is that line between where we place media and where we earn media as communication experts in media? Um, and the fact that it's so closely split, uh, where 45% of PR practitioners who work in-house Saying that it's going to become more closely aligned to marketing, I think, is an extremely important trend to be watching out
0: for. Mm, fascinating. What, 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 one of them, in terms of this this redefine, well, that question comes up specifically. I see, should PR redefine or rename <laughs> itself? Why, why is there a debate?
1: Well, I think the reality is public relations is a very traditional term for what has evolved into strategic reputation management, strategic business communication. It's no longer just about relationships with the public. It's relationships with multiple stakeholders. And the traditional PR practitioner has now evolved into an integrated reputation management professional. And the word public relations doesn't define that adequately according to 47, sorry, 87% of professionals that say that the term public relations will not describe the work they do in the next five years. That's nearly 9 out of 10 PR practitioners are saying the term is no longer relevant to the, to the core work that we as communicators do.
0: Interesting because as you were saying that, I think one of the sections talks about digital storytelling and the impact that would have, right? <laughs> what, what's come through there? Well, that really moves us on to the third point, which is about Mm.
1: the key trends impacting the future of public relations.
0: Okay, all right.
1: Fake news makes it into the top list um, just after Donald Trump, suddenly enough, is a trend
0: impacting the future of communication. So so Donald Trump alone is a a trend in his own right? It's a trend.
1: He is. Donald Trump is a trend. Um, 25% of PR practitioners say that he is a trend impacting the future of the way in which public relations sees itself. But to your point, Ashraf, around digital storytelling, 88% of public relations professionals say that digital storytelling and telling stories in the digital space alongside social listening are the two top trends that are impacting the way in which communicators manage the profession today. Okay. So it speaks a, yeah, so it speaks a lot to listening it speaks a lot to the way in which we create narratives in the social space.
0: So give us an example. Because you know, that, that it, it sounds very, very abstract, digital storytelling. So someone listening in would, would say, give me an example of what does it mean uh, in terms of that storytelling. How does it play out? Give me an example. Very simplistically,
1: digital storytelling is how do you tell your story? within an integrated digital space. How do you take the traditional narrative that would usually have been placed in a press release and issued through traditional media and create a seamless story that integrates across Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and makes the use of traditional uh, traditional PR and media relations? So we're really talking here fundamentally at its heart about the integration.
0: Okay. So that's one of the trends. So let's maybe run through the other trends as well then. And we'll go back to point two just now, right? Go ahead. We will around
1: the, how the public relations is defining itself. And part of that redefinition is around social purpose. Mm. Um, so 71% of PR practitioners are saying that social purpose, CSI, and the need for an organization to have a higher purpose than mere profits is one of the primary elements that's impacting our profession. People want to know that the organization you're working with is doing good for society is uh, a sustainably responsible organization and the fact that that is coming up so high up in this research i think really begs the question what are the key messages that we as an organization need to consider if you're a bank if you're in retail etc there are fundamental core messages that you're going to be sharing with the public but social purpose is something that is on everybody's mind and is occupying people so the narratives that we need to embed in our in our stories in the way in which we communicate with our stakeholders is fundamentally shifting around that. That falls alongside elements of real time marketing. People want to be responsive and agile, and influencer marketing. How do we leverage key influencers um, within whichever space an organization has to be operating in in order to make sure that we land the right messages with the
0: right people? Okay, so influencers would, in this case, mean people with large social media. Uh, profiles and platforms, right? Or not? At its
1: heart, yes, but the world is evolving and it's becoming a question of something that everybody should be looking at doing. You might not have a 100,000 or a million followers on Facebook, but it doesn't mean that in your medium-sized business you shouldn't be focusing on the same principles. People still want to do business with people that they feel are aligned to their values and a social purpose is something that is becoming extremely important to them.
0: Okay, so an influ- influencer, even in a, in a, at a community level, low social okay. media impact, but, but high influence in terms of, I'm just thinking about what, a, a ratepayers' body's chairperson would in fact hold tremendous sway, hopefully positively for that community, right?
1: Absolutely. And if we take that example one step further, what we're effectively saying is, while in the traditional PR paradigm, we've been so focused on the primary influences, who can get you on the front page of the newspaper, if you look at other research coming out over the course of the last three months around trust in different stakeholders, you're actually saying people trust academics, people trust industry um, professionals and experts, financial analysts, a lot more necessarily today than traditional media. So how do you find the right influencers that are going to make sure that you can target your message to the right stakeholder?
0: Fascinating. Any, any, any other things on, on, on the trends you need to just tell us about?
1: Um, Those are the primary trends that have come out there. I do think that while we're talking about trends, before I just talk quickly about client and agency relationships, Mm -hmm. it's really what we talk about how public relations is being required to effectively demonstrate its value. Now, please bear in mind, this is a global piece of research that surveyed several thousand senior pre-op practitioners globally, and 89% that the demonstrating measurable business objectives to PR programs is one of the most important fundamentals in terms of demonstrating value. So that element of how is what we have done connected to a business objective? Has it improved sales? Has it increased feet through the door? Has it increased overall financial stability? Has it um, developed or enhanced an environment for employee retention? If we talk about broad stakeholder categories, but the principle of measurable business objectives is the number one element of demonstrating value.
0: Mm. What, okay. So what are your thoughts then about, about those measurables? You know, it, it, is it a given? Uh, and I say this ahead of, of final judging for the PR Prism <laughs> Awards. You know, is it a given or is it still ultimately based on gut feeling here when you say, which is a better campaign than another campaign?
1: Well, there's a balance between the two because there is a, there's a subjective element and there's a bit of art to it, but there is also increasingly fundamental science to measuring financial ROI. So there's going to have to come a time where we look at a, at a communication project or a communication campaign and we link it to a tangible financial result. What is it that this campaign from a comms perspective has contributed within the broader marketing mix to the end result. And that is what businesses are looking for today. In the same way that if we talk broadly about communication, how has your internal communication and employee engagement helped retain employees, which reduces cost of replacing employees, that is a financial tangible result. If we look externally, if you're in aviation, has your campaign driven more occupancy within a particular flight? If we talk about crisis, has your reputation management division managed to mitigate a crisis to a point that an organisation hasn't been fined? The value of that fine is a financial tangible that the communication function has a- has been able to save the business. So yes, there are fundamental ROI financial measurables that need to come into almost every campaign where possible.
0: Mm. What well, what about and in terms of. Um I mean, we touched on it earlier in terms of what is defined. You know, is uh, should should PR also call itself something different? Uh, I know we touched on some parts of it earlier, but but do, would you would you then call for a complete redefinition of not just the industry but the practitioners as well? I think there's
1: definitely going to come a time that we need to look at a new or revised naming convention. Now the practitioners may in different disciplines retain certain elements of where it is today, but looking at a figure as high as 90% of people saying that doesn't describe what they do, it means that we need to engage with academics, with industry bodies like PRISA, like the PRSA in the United States and other bodies to more closely look at what are the correct definitions. Doesn't need to be more broadly defined. Does the name need to change completely? Should we be bringing more elements of words like reputation management into the title? Because a lot of traditional PR practitioners today are exercising strategic reputation management. So I don't know what the answer is today, but I definitely know that if we look at what the industry is calling for, it's a conversation that
0: needs to start. Now, you you have made the point, uh, and let me just remind listeners: we're chatting to Daniel Munslow, uh, and Daniel is the director of of MCC Consulting. A director on the IABC's International Executive Board. And we are talking about the 2017 Global Communications Report. And he was a member of that panel on that report, right? So up to now, uh, Daniel, you've been talking about What's, what's been the global trend, okay? So, so here's some guessing, because it's probably not part of the report, right? How much of what you've just said can you internalize to South Africa and say, okay, that's the global standard as per the report. This South Africa concurs with that. But in fact, in this particular case, South Africa doesn't concur. We, 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 we are on the outside with that particular issue. Can you give us some thoughts on that?
1: The, the segmentation of the data to highlight South Africa specifically will only be published in the full report. However, What I can say for the time being is that on the majority of the fundamental questions that have raised a a paradigmatic shift in public relations, the trends are surprisingly similar. So a lot of, for example, on the question of the naming convention, a large percentage of South African PR practitioners are also supporting the view that the term is too narrow in its definition of the work that they do today. Five years ago, a traditional PR practitioner would have simply done or focused on media relations. Today, they're doing crisis communication, weighing in on internal communication. The paradigms are shifting. So, whilst I don't have the specific details for South Africa in front Mm -hmm. of me, they will be incorporated in future. But the high-level information I've seen from the metadata, there is close alignment,
0: Okay, that's, uh, that, that's interesting. Are, are there any aspects that are completely out of kilter? That, uh, you may not have done the study, but but you know about?
1: Not su- surprisingly, there isn't anything that we are completely out of alignment with. And that's encouraging because that what that shows is that South African business communication is very much aligned in its thinking and in its trend on the global, on the global stage. Your previous interview around fake news is mm. actually a case in point where we spend 15 minutes discussing those critical aspects and it is a global trend as much as it is something that is occupying us in South Africa. And for strategic communication professionals, what communication strategies do we have in place to combat fake news if a large organization um, is faced with a fake news attack, so to speak? How do you combat that? Those are new questions that communication mm. practitioners have not had to deal with even two years ago.
0: So so is there a difference between communication practitioners broadly and, and reputation management agencies or organizations? Well, I think that's, well,
1: that is an interesting question, and I think that's where the paradigm is going to. From the point of view that you still have people that are rightly so focused on traditional public relations and media relations there's a place for it, but largely speaking within a corporate environment – there is a drastic shift to moving specialist public relations practitioners into a role that elevates the strategic reputation of the organization. In other words, public relations is becoming a a discipline of broader reputation management. It's one element of many that helps an organization protect, defend, and build its strategic reputation.
0: Because in the past, who would manage the reputation management of an organization?
1: I think if you look historically, it is largely managed in silos. So you'd have different components being managed by different specialists. Now we're saying those silos are effectively null and void and we need to integrate that into one holistic view. In a lot of organizations, a strateg- the sort of stu- the chief reputation officer is the right-hand person to the CEO because that is where reputation resides. It's no longer... Something that somebody does somewhere in the organization. It's becoming increasingly important, and the gravitas of the role has gotten to, I think, a turning point in terms of business recognizing the strategic fundamental importance of business communication and reputation management.
0: Fascinating. What then what are your, your thoughts about the, the overall health? of, uh, of, of the, the PR industry or the, or the broader communications industry in, in our country? Just a, a general assessment of the health of the industry.
1: I think overall it's extremely robust. I think an organisation, uh, 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 I was going to say an association, is really a profession that is undergoing change, especially the way in which communication and PR is finding itself today, is in a very exciting space. Why? Because it's requiring a a lot of people to rethink what they think they know of the profession. It's requiring business to reevaluate the significant importance of communication within their organizations. I think not only is it in a healthy position, but it's gotten to a point where it is commanding a greater amount of respect which is hugely
0: positive for us moving forward. Mm. I tell you what, we, we should be chatting right now to uh, Bridget van Holt, uh, by the way, Daniel, and, uh, and she not answering her phone. So I'm, I'm going to indulge you because I think you know, and if you don't know, you just say, I don't, okay? Uh, sure. Certainly with regard to the, to the Prism Awards and, and the judging this year, there was a very definite push towards, you know, besides traditional people who have got great credibility in the broader industry, there was also a push to, to bring in younger people. Uh, as judges, right? What are your thoughts about that?
1: I, I was actually very excited when I heard um, that we were going to be bringing in student judges. I think there's a there's a two-way relationship that can take place here. On the one hand, we need fresh perspectives. We also need students' perspective um, of professional industry work from a viewpoint of somebody who has up to this point studied academically towards the industry, On the other hand, it's also important for the industry to hear the perspectives of the next generation of PR professionals. Um, I think that fundamentally it's something that we should be doing year on year and moving forward because it becomes increasingly important to look at both sides of the narrative. Um, If I go back to the Global Communication Report, we actually also had a section that was dedicated to students, and it's very interesting to hear what what the students' perspectives are in terms of the future of the profession. So for example, um, students are talking about um, opportunities to learn, they're talking about how ready they are for specific elements like digital storytelling versus how much um, they were taught at the various academic institutions. So to bring them into experience firsthand, the real case study of what's happening in real life, augmenting that with the academic qualifications that they've got, I think it's something that both sides can benefit mm. from.
0: But, 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 but here's the thought, right? Does it uh, – bringing the, the student judges in, does it help them uh, have a greater understanding of the of the PR industry when they themselves will be judged on, on other submissions of, of their very own, ironically, right? Mm-hmm. Or – that's on the one hand – or does it, in fact, ensure that the judging that takes place will have a better understanding of younger people's submissions? That means, you know, you're talking—I'm just using a, a classic word like "woke." You know, certainly sure. a guy who's who's 60 years old will not know what we're talking about. So, so they may understand that in 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 the context of the space they live in. W- which one, which one would be the bigger take out there?
1: Oh, that's a difficult question, Ashraf. I, I would—I'm tempted to say they're both equally important, mm-hmm. but I do. Tend to agree with the view that bringing in a young professional that understands possibly uh, a more intimate or has a more intimate understanding of the digital space will enable traditional PR practitioners to better under- understand that side of the equation. So I would tend to gravitate
0: towards that. Okay, interesting. Well, thanks for thanks for that. Is there is there one final point you wish to make in in 20 seconds before we wrap up, Daniel? In 20 seconds, let me end
1: up by saying, to reiterate the point that we spoke about earlier, I think it is absolutely critical that we look at what the future profession is going to look like five and 10 years from now. But I think having judged the prisons this year and looking at this global communication report, I'm very excited about the health of the PR industry and the strategic communication and reputation management professions in South Africa.
0: Okay. And and, and the last thing, in terms of this report, is it available to the public? And, and are you able to tweet the links uh, so we can share it if it is available?
1: It is available on the USC's website, and I will post a link on Twitter um, just after
0: this interview. Okay, that's, this interview. that's looking forward because I, I think I would encourage uh, people in the communications industry, they absolutely must read it. It is really very, very important and there's some great insights. Daniel, thanks for your time. Most appreciated, eh? That's, uh, Daniel M- Lunslow, Director of MCC Consulting, Director of the IAB's International Executive Board, and in this case, on that advisory panel for the 2017 Global Communications Report. Of course, no ad of the week. We didn't have Tonya Kuri because many of people away because of the, of the Easter weekend. We'll do it again as per normal services next week. But right now it's 10 o'clock time for the news.